Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. It's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Oh my God, say what you just said no. before before I, I turn the mics on. Come on, say, say, share it with our friends. What free do you mean friend. before you turn the mics on? Yeah. I know what you're doing. Yeah, come I, on. I can see that they're on. Yeah, I know. You said it before I turned the mic on. Okay. Resay what you said. Absolutely not. Please, come on. Share it with our family. So, I I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I got you a magazine, and I got it because I think about you a lot. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah, it was about the Secret Societies, which mm-hmm. is great, a Time Life uh, magazine. And then um, I said, thank you so much. You, you, were, you were so thoughtful. And I said, yes, if you had a notification set up so that you got an update every time I thought of you, you would turn the notifications off. I would turn the notifications in my head off. Yeah. Yeah. Because it would be obnoxious because I'm obsessed with you. (laughs) You know, when you say things like that, it just reminds me of how you are so gross. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Follow up. I got a takeout the other day. I had some enchiladas and I made a little pocket on the side of the takeout container for the guacamole and I didn't want to touch the rest of the stuff. Mm -hmm. So I made like a little yurt out of tortilla chips for the guacamole. And then what did you say? I I called it an avocado. Yeah. Yeah. An avocado. And then I tried to make out with you and you wouldn't do it. Well, you were like, no. Yeah. You're gross. Um, so anyway, if you want to get notifications <laughs> when we have new bonus stuff available. Oh, oh, you're, you're segueing. See what I'm doing? Okay. I am a two-wheeled upright scootering my way right over to the Patreon. <laughs> yeah, we have some exciting news we want to share with you guys. We have just launched a Patreon page. If you want to help support the Box of Oddities and help us grow the Box of Oddities, 
Here's a great way to do it. Scoodle doot your tushies right over to Patreon. Patreon.com slash Box of Oddities. There's three levels of support. Uh, here are some of the things that uh, you get as a benefit for supporting us. Access to the back channel Discord server. Mm-hmm. Uh, live show, pre-sale ticket access, exclusive voting Power on issues of the order, advance notice on new merch, 10% of everything that is uh, given to us in support, we're going to give to charity. One of the other bonuses that will be available via Patreon is access to our phone number that we will uh, only answer sometimes. Yeah. It's Don't, let's not, <laughs> let's not, not get crazy. Yeah. Cat and Jethro's phone number. You can also get ad-free episodes, one bonus episode per month, episodes delivered a day early, uh, additional bonus episode which is called sunday phone calls with the freak fam and that's primarily what our phone number is is for you can call that phone number and we'll talk to you and we'll do an extra bonus episode also behind the scenes videos so all kinds of stuff and there's more too the best way to check it out for yourself and find out which benefits are in which tier is uh go to patreon.com slash box of oddities somebody asked us about uh what the exclusive voting power would entail and you had a great idea yeah so every month uh, you'll help us choose which charity gets that 10 percent, as well as other issues it'll be a lot of fun we look forward to uh to interacting with you on patreon patreon.com slash box of oddities so some of you may be listening to the box of oddities for the first time and if you did not know already we do the show in bangor maine which is the home of stephen king probably you don't know well (laughs) if you're a first time listener we've been doing some advertising and stuff oh you think we've got some newbies here we might have some newbies i would love that Mm. if that was the case yeah we'll see but uh, in case you are we do the show in bangor maine home of stephen king it's a creepy little town in fact dairy in the movie it is based on bangor also in the book in fact (laughs) downtown they have those uh, construction signs yeah and instead of Bangor, it says Dairy, Dairy <laughs> Maine. We've embraced it. We really have. Oh, for sure. But Maine has a reputation for being haunted. And not just because of Stephen King. There is much more to it than that. Every town, it seems, here in Maine has a ghost story or a strange, mysterious, or dark history of some sort. You grew up in Bucksport. I did. And there's a lot of weird, haunted crap that happens in Bucksport. Yeah, we talked about some of that the last time we chatted with Jim Harold yes. on Jim Harold's Paranormal Podcast. The haunted uh, tomb of Jonathan Buck. But every town, it seems, in Maine has some kind of a, a weird little story like that. And I have one. Um, I remember growing up in a small town in northern Maine and uh, hearing the stories of how my ancestors helped found that town right. in the uh, 1700s. Some of them were family of those persecuted during the Salem witch trials. And they had fled north to within a mile of the Canadian border. My mother's maiden name is Howe. And it appears as though I may be related to Elizabeth Howe, who was hanged as a witch in Salem on July 19th, uh, 1692. Mm. But my story today is not about that. It takes place in a small town called Sullivan. Sullivan, Maine. I am a, I am a fully aware of Sullivan. Yes, we, we both are. We actually looked at a, a house in Sullivan once with your mom. I don't remember that. I think most of the house hunting was done when I was driving, which means naturally 
my driving would be questioned. Uh, (laughs) Therefore, uh, I became angry and probably yelled and blocked it out. Well, this story that took place in Sullivan, it seems that it is the first documented haunting in this country and what would become the United States. Oh, really? It's the story of the ghost of Nellie Butler. I love that you're doing a haunted house. And over 30 eyewitness accounts swear that it actually happened. Oh, wow. The story concerns three New England families, the Hoopers, the Butlers, and the Blaisdells. The story was recorded and documented by the Reverend Abraham Cummings. He was a preacher in the area. Cummings documented 31 eyewitness testimonies from town residents in a book he wrote in 1862 titled Immortality Proved by the Testimony of Sense, in which is considered the doctrine of specters and the existence of a particular specter. They had really... Wow, that was a long... Really long titles back then. Yeah. That's nuts. That alone is like, whoo, I'm tired. I got to go to bed now. Finish <laughs> yeah. reading the title. <laughs> My eyes are tired. <laughs> uh, the story goes like this. Early in the year 1796, Captain George Goodwin Butler married Eleanor Hooper, Nellie Hooper. On the 13th of June, the following year, 1797, less than a year later, she died during childbirth. Oh, no. Along with her newborn baby, Nellie was just 22 years old. Now, it was August 9th, 1799, Abner Blaisdell, a farmer and a veteran of the Revolutionary War, that was when he first heard the knocking sounds in his cellar, in the cellar of his house in Sullivan. He was a neighbor of the butlers. I just real quick want to say, just in case you're not familiar with Maine, I went to school with a Blaisdell, a butler, and a hooper. And again, Bucksport, where you grew up, is maybe 25 miles, 30 miles from Sullivan. So probably their relatives. I (laughs) I have no doubt in my mind. So the knocking persisted for weeks with no explanation. Then on January 2nd in 1800, his 15-year-old daughter Lydia was lying ill with some kind of a fever. Now both Abner and his daughter Lydia heard a woman's voice coming from the cellar. It said, I am the dead wife of Captain George Butler, born Nellie Hooper. Nellie Butler became what many believe to be America's first documented ghost. Why would she announce herself that way, though? Isn't that a weird way to announce yourself to your spouse? It was not her spouse. It was the neighbor. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I missed that. Okay, thank you for clarifying. Why is she in the neighbor's basement? That's a great question. During this interaction, is Nellie... Is it a fieldstone basement? Well, <laughs> it may have been, it, which, which does attract uh, paranormal activity. Absolutely. It, it does. It's been proven. Usually residual, though, not interactive or intelligent hauntings. And this definitely is an intelligent haunting. And spideys. During the interaction, Nellie demanded that Lydia, the 15-year-old, mm-hmm. marry her widower husband, George. All right. I suspect something's going on here. George obviously wants to marry this neighbor girl. And he's just like, you need to marry the neighbor. (laughs) I don't buy it. Well, when Lydia got better, she and her father made the walk to George Butler's home. I was about five miles away. And it was it was in a snowstorm in a blizzard. They walked all the way over. Oh, gosh. And apparently accompanied by the ghost of Nellie. 
in the form of a luminous ball. That's called the sun. Now, I know Mainers aren't used to seeing it. It's very confusing, but it's probably the sun. So Captain Butler was a little skeptical, Sure, but he saw this luminous orb mm. and it started to take form of a person. And then he saw what he said looked like a glowing version of his wife. And he interacted with her. He asked her questions. No, he didn't have that. He did not have ghost sex. Right. Although that's a thing. Did you hear that Bobby Brown swears that he was, that he was raped by a ghost? Yeah. Well, I mean, let's not talk about it so lightheartedly. That's awful. But yeah, no, we've talked about ghost sex before. Yeah. Anyway, he asked her specific questions that only she would know. And, and this specter, allegedly, answered the questions to his satisfaction. So, okay. on May 28th of 1800, Lydia and George were married on Butler Point. The next day... Ew. Well, yeah, she's 15. Yeah, well, yeah, well, those were different days. <laughs> the very next day after the wedding, Nellie appeared and prophesied that Lydia would bear one child and then die soon after. And that's exactly what happened 10 months later. Public records do back this up, that she had a baby and then died, which is kind of a dickish thing for the ghost to do, to I, demand that uh, her husband marry this 15-year-old kid, and then, oh, by the way, you're going to die in 10 right? months. Right? That's terrible. So after that, she disappeared for four months and then returned. As an orb? I, she returned as a full body apparition. Oh, okay. And in front of 20 witnesses in the Blaisdell cellar. Here's what she did. Why were there 20 people well, in there? Okay. She told people she was going to appear at a particular time. And so word got around and they all came over. Mm -hmm. And she was asked by Abner why she chose the cellar for her appearances instead of upstairs where more people could see her. Nellie said she didn't want to scare any more children. You know what this sounds like to me is like an old-fashioned magic trick where they're like, in three days, I will make a, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, come like see me in the mirror. basement, yeah. you know? It does sound like yeah. that, yeah. This is a story that has persisted for a couple of centuries now, over 200 years. Uh, Marcus Labrizi, he's an English professor at the University of Maine in Machias. Uh, he studies Maine ghost stories. And in a Bangor Daily News article, he said, quote, we're left with a case in which you've got multiple witnesses, a really convincing ghost, and this controversy hasn't gone away for more than two centuries. Many books have falsely placed this legendary haunting in Machiasport, about 50 miles up the coast from Sullivan. According to Labrizi, that stems from the mistake a researcher made in the 40s and has been perpetuated by authors and websites ever since. Mm -hmm. If you've heard the ghost story, this ghost story's chances are you've not heard what really took place. That's because the book that Reverend Cummings wrote in 1862 is kind of hard to find. Uh, it's a very rare book. Many stories were based on older stories that cited the book. So it's kind of like that telephone game. Yep, sure, sure, right? sure. Like the story of the Bell Witch. Yes. Like there was one solid 
source mm-hmm. of this story, and then a bunch of sources came from that story. But then uh, this, the diary that that story was allegedly coming from uh, was never discovered. Was never produced. Right. Right. But then Labrizi, along with Dennis Boyd of Cutler, Maine, did a series of investigations and actually tracked down the rare copy of of the 1826 book that Cummins wrote Mm -hmm. about the hauntings. And along with local historian Lois Crabtree Johnson, they researched the family histories, they walked through old graveyards, and they found the gravestones of the people named in the testimonies they did exist. Now, one of the most exciting finds that they uh, came across was the gravestone of Captain George Butler, widower of Eleanor Nellie Butler, which is located in a cemetery in the nearby town of Franklin. Hey, that's where my mom lives. That's right. I I wrote right <laughs> here, which is where Kat's mom lives. Yep. She lives right in that town. Labrizi and Boyd then compiled their research, as well as the edited testimonies gathered by Cummings, in a book called The Nellie Butler Hauntings, A Documentary History, and they published this in 2010. Here are some of the eyewitness testimonies from local residents straight from this rare, hard-to-find 1826 book. Mm -hmm. As we mentioned, the spirit of Nellie Butler sought to orchestrate the marriage of Nellie Butler's former husband, 29-year-old George Butler, to Lydia Blaisdell, who was 15 years old at the time. Testimony by members of the Blaisdell and Butler families, as well as Nellie's family, the Hoopers, state the spirit was restless visiting multiple times and answering personal questions to prove its identity. Okay. After Lydia died, some in the town thought the prophecy was a sinister curse. Some, like you, said it was a (laughs) trick to get Butler to marry Lydia. Right. Creeper. There was so much controversy, Labrizi said. Lydia was basically labeled a witch, if not a fraud. The family was ostracized. It was being pulled apart. And then the ghost suddenly comes back as this phantasmal creature of the Lord singing hallelujahs and chasing down skeptics. She would find people that said, no, that's not true. Mm -hmm. And she would find them and and appear to them and say, shut the fuck up. Is that how that works? But it was more like probably, shut the fuck up. (laughs) I thought that it was more likely that you'd see spirits if you did believe. But in this case, she was just out and about seeking out her deniers. That's right. Okay. That August in 1800, large groups of people gathered in the Blaisdell cellar to listen to the ghost speak. Now, at this point, when she would appear, she would speak on religious topics. During that time, the apparition openly confronted those who doubted her identity Mm -hmm. and her holiness. Apparently, it pissed her off when people said, A, it wasn't real, or B, that she was demon spawn. Oh, okay. So she was just just good old Nellie, still hanging around. Hanging around. Did she say why she was hanging around? Well, initially, it was to get her husband to marry this 15-year-old. The child. Right, right. And then she just started telling people about the afterlife. And remember, this is like decades before the spiritualist movement took place. Mary Gordon, a resident of Sullivan at the time, said, quote, I went to school with Gordons also. At first, the apparition (laughs) was a mere mass of light and then grew into personal form, about as tall as myself. This, of course, from Reverend Cummings' book. Mm -hmm. Quote, We stood in two ranks, about four or five feet apart. At least they were social distancing. 
Between those ranks, she would slowly pass and repass so that any of us could have handled her. The personal form became shapeless, expanded every way, and then vanished in a moment. Now, her widower, George, tried to touch her, Mm -hmm. and he said that she was just formless, that he, he was able to reach right through her. Okay. Reverend Cummings' book states that on the night of August the 8th into the early morning of the 9th, more than 30 people were crammed in the cellar while the specter, Nellie, paced back and forth. She was a big pacer. Sure. (laughs) Then on the night of the 13th into the morning of the 14th of August, it walked a mile along with a group of 48 people. The ghost interfered in several people's lives, seeming to act in an arbitrary fashion at this point. One of its last demands was for her baby to be exhumed and buried with her, which, which was done. Now, before the end of that year, more than 100 people had seen or heard the ghost of Nellie Butler, and most had given sworn testimony to Reverend Cummings. Now, this is where Reverend Cummings comes into the story toward the end. He was a skeptic. He heard all these stories from the village folk. Mm -hmm. So he decided to confront Blaisdell. He suspected that Blaisdell had a con Mm -hmm. going. (laughs) Uh, Like you and several of the village folk. (laughs) The reverend didn't believe in ghosts, and he didn't think his flock should either. He was in a foul mood. He tromped across the fields to Abner's house. I picture the music from The Wizard of Oz. (laughs) Suddenly before him, before he got to the house, appeared a woman, quote, surrounded by a bright light. At first, her form was no bigger than that of a toad. As he watched, Nellie Butler grew to normal height before his eyes, and he was convinced. Oh, wow. Captain George Butler, Nellie's husband, reported that she appeared to him one night in his bedroom and gave him a tongue lashing for marrying for a third time. I guess apparently she hadn't picked out a kid for him to marry. Gross. At this point, maybe Nellie figured she said everything she wanted to say, or maybe she just was tired. (laughs) Um, So she went back to being a ball and lived in the basement. Yeah, well, she was never seen after her visit to Cummings. Oh, okay. Once she appeared to Cummings... That was the last time that anybody reported ever seeing her. My information came from the Bangor Daily News. You our know it. Hometown newspaper. BDN. Magonia Review, Yankee Magazine, and the book Nellie Butler Hauntings, a documentary history by Marcus Labrizi, which is available on Amazon. Wow. So there you go. That was good fun. Nice haunted house story coming from our home state of Maine this Halloween season. I love it. And now, that thing in the middle. Mary, Mary, quite contrary. How does your garden grow? We've all heard this old nursery rhyme. But what does it mean? Well, according to the vintage news, the rhyme was written about English Queen Mary I, also known as Bloody Mary. According to What Does History Say?, The silver bells and cockle shells mentioned in the rhyme are actually instruments of torture, and the pretty maids is a reference to the guillotine. There are actually a few nursery rhymes based around the gruesome exploits of Bloody Mary. Three blind mice is another example. According to rhymes.org, the farmer's wife, mentioned in the poem, is Mary, and the mice she slaughters are actually noblemen who try to fight back against her Catholic reforms. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. 
I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids and they live about 3,000 miles away and my daughter is expecting a child and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? <sighs> Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. 
and you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's the podcast that's like a Broadway musical, just without the actors, songs, dancing, orchestra, plush seats. Okay, so we're nothing like a Broadway musical. This is The Box of Oddities. Okay. We got what I would consider to be a long overdue email from the great and powerful dragon. One of our founding freaks. That's right. I was catching up on the past couple of episodes of the show the other day, they write, and I was in the middle of episode 268 when I heard a rap at my chamber door. (laughs) I figured it was just an Amazon delivery or something, and I opened the door to find a police officer standing on my doorstep inquiring about the health of one of my elderly neighbors. Uh Uh-oh. It is now I would like to inform you that I was listening to the box of oddities on my TV that is well within listening distance of, oh, let's say, an unsuspecting police officer. <laughs> As if Cat had been waiting for that exact moment, the words, some methods included pouring vinegar or pepper into the corpse's mouth or applying a hot poker to the victim's feet or <laughs> rectum. To which Jethro eagerly chimes in with, right up the corpse's bum. (laughs) The officer nods silently and tells me that he will let me get back to it. (laughs) I was thinking about giving you guys an update on how I've been holding up since the divorce, but I'm not sure on how much outside contact I'll get from my inevitable prison stint now. (laughs) LOL. Oh, my God. Thanks for laugh, guys. I can add getting me through COVID and putting me on a watch list to the laundry list of things you've done for me. Honest to goodness, you people are the best. And now, with eager anticipation, I turn my head slightly with a smirk on my face (laughs) and a glint in my eye. I take a breath and I say, what you got for me? I just got a text from Stephanie. Hold on. Okay. Interesting that you chose a haunted house story. Did you choose one, too? I may have. I wanted to tell you today about Jerry and Laura Gooden. They lived at 966 Lindley Street in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Not 666 Lindley Street. No, I mean, but if you flip that nine upside down. Anyway, Laura Gooden and Jerry Gooden had a child who passed away early in life in 1967, and they after adopted a four-year-old from Canada named Marsha in 1968. Laura was very protective, and Marsha had a lot of problems. A lot of this stemmed from the fact that she was a full-blooded Seneca, and at the time she was she was bullied quite a bit uh, in mm. school and by by other kids uh, nearby. She didn't have a lot of friends, and she was actually attacked at school by a fellow student, um, and that led to her having to wear a back brace. And oh then, my God. yeah, and then she left school in favor of homeschooling by a tutor in October of 1974. The Goodens reached out to the local police in 1972 that they were hearing a rhythmic 
pounding noise. It had been going on since the year before, and it wasn't stopping. If anything, it was increasing. Hmm. So the police were thinking, okay, well, maybe this has something to do with pipes or something. We don't really deal with pipes, uh, but we can call the fire department and see if maybe they have an idea of what's going on. So the fire department came, and they they didn't find any reason why there would be a rhythmic pounding sound coming from their home. Ghost sex? Was Bobby Brown their tenant? Stop it. As I said, it wasn't getting better. It was getting worse. Mm. And the night of November 22nd, 1974, uh, the increased activity kind of came to a head. It wasn't just banging anymore. It was pieces of furniture were moving. Oh, my God. Poltergeist activity. So the Goodens reached out to the police again. A Bridgeport patrolman responded to trouble unknown called to the Gooden house that Sunday. Quote, when I went to the door, the lady came to the door and I asked, what's the problem? She was crying and pointed. The lady was Laura Gooden. She pointed to a living room so disheveled it looked as though someone had thrown the furnishings about. I asked if she'd been burglarized. She replied, no, this is always going on. Thinking of the dreadful pounding noises that echoed through the home for years and the moving objects might be caused by the settling of the house. Again, Mm. they called the fire department. They were like, again, we don't handle house stuff. (laughs) We're not house people. Firemen really aren't either, but they might know about pipes, question mark? Yeah, maybe, or... They have some insight into, let's say, I don't know, maybe there's like, like a train that goes by. Right. And, yeah, I, or a knows? fault line under yeah. the, I don't know, who knows? Anyway, they they needed help. So they asked the fire people to come and uh, the fire officials and the city engineer found no structural problems. Hmm. They ruled out the possibility of renovation work at nearby Uh, buildings. I found a video of a man named Tom who claimed to be the brother of the dispatcher at the police department. Okay. He was actually a police officer, but he was working dispatch. I guess that's how that used to work. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe it still does in some places. Anyway, he said that he got a call from his brother and his brother said, you know, that house a couple doors down 966. And he said, yeah. And he's like, can you go down there? And Tom said, why? And he was like, I don't know, something's going on. We're sending out a patrolman, but uh, you're right there. I mean, he's literally two houses down. Wow. So uh, he was like, yeah, sure. Okay. So he tootled uh, over to the neighbor's house and just kind of stood on their lawn and he didn't see anything going on. So he just kind of waited. And he said about three minutes later, a policeman pulled up. He didn't really acknowledge him as he went inside. He was inside for, he said, maybe three minutes and then came running out of the house and got back in his car. Oh, my God. Poltergeist activity to me is one of the most terrifying, next to demonic possession. Mm. That's one of the things that terrifies me the most, the thought of that. Um, One of the most horrifying scenes for me in the sixth sense uh, was the scene where all the cupboard doors were open mm. in the kitchen and they close all the cupboard doors and there's no noise or anything, but they look up and all the doors are open again. Yeah. Oh, that made my butthole go. Just. 
Like that. Well, apparently the police officer was very distraught because he said he saw the refrigerator levitate. That'd do it. Yep. Sure. Yep. Uh, back up. Uh, we have a floating frigidaire. So people started coming to the house. Uh, the majority of the weird activity seemed to be centered around the Goodens' adopted daughter, who's now 10. Uh, and she was, you know, said to be a pretty sad, lonely kid. Mm. And her only friend was their cat, Sam. Oh, my God. That is so sad. Super sad. So despite the thorough investigations by police and firefighters, nothing definitive was discovered and more unusual events started happening. Doors opening. Wait, more unusual than a, than a floating side-by-side? Well, I doubt it was a side-by-side in the 70s. Yeah, probably not a side-by-side. It was probably avocado green, though. Oh, you know it. Or maybe or, burnt, burnt orange. Or autumn gold. Yeah, or autumn gold. That was popular. And they probably had those copper jello molds that looked like roosters. Of course. Hanging on the wall. Yeah. So anyway, unusual events were happening. Doors opening and closing on their own. Cupboard doors just whoop, all of a sudden open. As there's, well- there's a term for that. Um, I think it's fuck a bunch of that shit. <laughs> They also kept finding things uh, just in different parts of the house. So things were just moving around on their own. So a local priest was called. Again, they were very concerned about dressers moving on their own, window shades rolling up and wall shelves being pulled out of the wall with any 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 reason, really. Uh, the Goodens claimed not to believe in the paranormal, and they were getting increasingly stressed out and upset by this unexplained business that was going on in their home. And of course, if you're a protective parent, and then all of a sudden there's something that you literally can't explain, and you don't know how to protect your kid, that's scary. So in come the Warrens, Ed and Lorraine. They were members of the American Society for Psychical Research and the Psychical Research Foundation. Uh, They, in addition to the police, had staked out the house, and they were conducting interviews with family members, including Marsha, and uh, detailed a number of seemingly inexplicable goings-on, things that the police were reporting back to the police department that they were writing in reports, like, we cannot explain why this is happening. Wow. It was right around this time as well that Sam, the the cat, had to go to the vet to have a procedure done. When he returned home, he was supposedly acting very strangely, almost as though he was trying to talk. Wow. Okay. That, yeah. Later, Jerry Gooden claimed that uh, because the cat was acting so weird, they put him in the basement. Hmm. And... Then the cat started kicking at the basement door, yelling, let me out, you dirty Frenchman. Let me out, you dirty Greek. Holy crap. The banging noises in the basement uh, kept going until they let the cat out of the basement. They let the cat out? Uh-uh. You're going, you're going right in the carrier, Bob. <laughs> The Reverend Edward Doyle of St. Patrick's Church, uh, this comes from Reddit, the then fire department's chaplain, blessed the house. He stated that during the time of the blessing, he saw nothing that led him to believe that evil spirits were present. But others on the scene saw things that they couldn't describe, that they couldn't believe. 
The fire chief at the time, John Gleason, said he witnessed dinner plates rattling, pictures jumping off the wall, a television set falling over, a heavy leather chair jumping at least six inches off the floor. A 22-page report prepared a year later by a seminary student quotes the Bridgeport police records as saying officers saw the refrigerator once again rise about six inches off the floor, the television once again rising up off the floor and rotating. They also allegedly saw a chair that Marsha was sitting in rapidly move backwards and then turn over. Now, this was 1974, so nobody had... A VCR or a video camera or a camcorder or so there's no there's no video of this. and most of this is happening over the course of a weekend oh my god in front of onlookers a plastic crucifix quote-unquote exploded from the wall I'd want to be let out of my lease at this point when word leaked out about the exploding crucifix furniture flying and a talking cat in the small home on Lindley Street The neighbors obviously were very upset. People started coming to the home. Wanting to see it? News got out, basically. Uh, Right. The Warrens said that this situation reeked of demonic possession, or at the very least a poltergeist, as you said. And many people agreed. Again, people were freaking out at this point. They didn't want a demon living on their street. Or in their cat. And... People were citing the 966 thing. They were saying you just flip over that nine and it's 666 Lindley Street. Hmm. Crowds gathered outside of the home. And in two instances, police intervened when people tried to light the house on fire. No shit. Vigilante arsonists. Yeah. See, the thing is, I doubt that you are a poltergeist expert and you don't even know if burning the house. Maybe that will just bring them to your house. Sure. Don't just go around lighting people's houses on fire willy nilly. That's our advice to you. I feel like this is just across the board. There's a book called The World's Most Haunted House, The True Story of the Bridgeport Poltergeist on Lindley Street by William J. Hall. And in it, the author uh, put together recordings provided by uh, those who had gone in to inspect the situation, interviews recorded by Bridgeport police, and more. One of the people that he interviewed for this book, his last name is Eno, he believed that What was going on in the house, his theory was connected to the multiverse and entities within the multiverse that he called parasites. He claimed that his experience in the trenches of looking at a variety of experiences of the unexplained led him to be convinced that it's the overlap of two worlds and the dimensions of the multiverse that account for everything from ghosts to UFOs Mm -hmm. to cryptids. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that idea. Personally, we've touched on that in the past. I think that that's a, a legitimate hypothesis. Well, his theory is that um, what, what sometimes other people involved in this kind of research would label as psychokinesis, mm-hmm. it's really just because of the multiverse. It disrupts the physical laws that we understand. And sometimes certain parts of various multi-universes have a thinner separating point. Right, like that lake in Fringe. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So police officers still at the home. One of them witnesses Marsha trying to tip over a TV with her foot when she thought no one was looking. So police interviewed the girl again, and they said that she admitted to 
causing all the disturbances in the house. Yeah, but what about the TV? I mean, the refrigerator. The event was soon declared a hoax by the relieved police who ended the official investigation. I'm not buying it. How can they put in their police report that there was a floating frigidaire and then say, how old was this little girl? Ten. Ten. A ten-year-old child somehow lifted it without them seeing? I know. So anyway, the case is closed. Nothing to be seen here. Okay. That's, uh... Do we know who... Is somebody living there now? Did Is the I don't house... Know. Did they end up burning it down? Or I don't know the answer to that. I'm getting on Google Street Map right now. All I know is that there are a number of police officers and firefighter statements on record saying that they saw things that they couldn't explain, uh, that strange things uh, continued to occur in the house after the case was closed, and that uh, many people uh, cited incidents that were witnessed while Marsha was not present, including apparent movements of objects in the home when no one in the family was home. So, case closed. No more concerns. No more, huh? Don't got to worry about this anymore. I'm on Google Street Maps. Looks like a cute little house. It's a little, it's bungalow style. Yeah. It's cute. Yeah. I yeah. still don't want to go there. There are three cars parked in the yard. And they're parking on the grass, heathens. <laughs> well, you know, any number of terrible things can be seen happening at 966 Lindley Street. Their hedges need trimming, too. <laughs> Rude. Listen, look at our yard. We are not people who should be judging. <laughs> That's true. That is true. That's fascinating. Yeah, so it's uh, Lindley, 966 Lindley Street in Bridgeport, Connecticut, uh, said to be the most haunted house in America. So you did the first haunted house in America, and I did the most haunted house in America. We are like, we're right on the same, we're, we're right here. I think we can, um, we can step back from the show and say, without doubt, that was a show. We did a show just we now. We did one. Yeah, we talked into microphones until we stopped. <laughs> that should be the motto for the box of oddities. We talk into a microphone until we stop. <laughs> I love it. Don't forget, uh, if you want to support the box of oddities, please check out our new Patreon page. Uh, also, we should mention, we don't only talk about haunted houses. This is very unusual. Yeah, it's true. That we'll both talk about something so similar i think it's because halloween is approaching yeah, and so. we're both looking for the more spookies and we've been watching a lot of haunted house movies lately oh so. my gosh okay let's real quick go over what we've what we've watched so far night one was the original ring, ring the yeah. japanese ring mm -hmm. um night two was spiral a shutter original Night three was metamorphosis a shutter original that's true almost all of our movies have come from shutter by the way night Four was Hell Comes to Frogtown. With Roddy Rowdy Piper. It was so good. It was the worst piece of... It was so good. <laughs> I mean, Roddy Rowdy Piper has some acting chops. I'll give you that. But the plot was lacking. I liked it when he put a bag over a frog's head to have sex with her. Mm, that was nice. And I say her because it was an adult woman-sized frog lady. Yep. It was very strange. Number five was Lyle. Lyle. Yeah. Which was really good. Yeah, it was. Short. It was, 
It's about very an hour. short, yeah. but uh, but enjoyable for yeah. sure. Very He's Rosemary's Baby. Been uh, spending a lot of time with Shutter for sure. <laughs> if you'd like to help support the Box of Oddities, uh, we invite you to join us on the Patreon page, Patreon slash Box of Oddities. You know how to find someone. You, there's a search bar. Yep. You put her name in it. Yep. And there it is. And uh, we really do appreciate that. Your support will help us grow the podcast. We, uh, we've been promoting and uh, doing some advertising, getting the word out there. The most important way to get the word out there, though, is for you to tell your friends. Yeah. We'd actually talked about maybe doing some sort of, like, Box of Oddities recruitment game. Yeah. Uh, we're working on it. I, uh, yeah. It's hard. Also, we're, we're, we're putting a little money aside to save up for our next live tour, which hopefully will be next year sometime. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Plus, we want to go to all the haunted places. (laughs) Help us go there. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. Appreciate you guys. Oh, and thank you to Shanae, I think is the Shanae for uh, your lovely gift uh, via PayPal. We always love seeing that pop up. Uh, Our PayPal link is. well, it's out there, you know, there's, yeah. it's on our Instagram page and you can find it on the last live show from our basement video. <laughs> Which is on YouTube. Yeah. Anyway, there's any number of ways to find us. We're, we're around. Just don't, you know, go on Google Street Map and look at our unkempt lawn. Oh, please don't. Hmm. Our lawnmower broke about three months ago <laughs> and we just didn't buy a new one. We yeah. were like, nah, it's almost fall. Yeah, we got a Patreon account coming up pretty soon. Maybe we'll make enough money to buy a lawnmower. No, I'm not buying a new lawnmower. I'm, this is just how we live now. <laughs> it's crazy. We look forward to seeing you guys next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you. To provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. history but hate when it's stuffy and boring well look no further and join me katie charlwood your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books as i delve into unsolved historical mysteries murders by gaslight and of course women who have been misrepresented through all time on who did what now the history podcast that's not your history class listen wherever you get your podcasts Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed.